Welcome to our second Helium Talk podcast in English. We've recorded this one the day after the opening reception of the exhibition The Jaunt at the Helium Cowboy Gallery in Hamburg. We, that is artist and gallerist Highland Mather, aka XO, and me, artist and gallerist Jörg Heikhaus, aka Alex Diamond. Yes, you heard right. Here are two older, or let's say experienced, veteran art dudes with a similar background chatting over fresh coffee for about an hour on a Sunday morning. Highland came to Hamburg to take part in our group show The Jaunt, but also to make a wall at the Überquell Brewpub. There he created a large wall sculpture with found wood, string and paint. We'd like to say thanks to Bastomoshevsky from Urban Skills for finding this fine location and for organizing this project together with Melvin here at Helium Cowboy. And of course a big shout out to Patrick Rüter from Überquell for supporting this one in particular and the arts in general. Highland Mather founded the Undenken Gallery in Denver in 1997 and has shown many, many artists who since have become international superstars, such as Shepard Ferry, Fail or Evan Hackox, to name a few. In 2008 he moved to Amsterdam and relocated his life in the gallery to the Netherlands, where Undenken still goes strong. At the same time he has always pursued his own art and so we also talk about the difficulties and the beauty of playing on both ends of the court at the same time. Together with his girlfriend, Manda Marie, who is also a very talented artist, Highland stayed in the backyard of a gallery with his camper van while they were in town, using the facilities of the Helium Cover art space. I mention this only because while they were here, Manda Marie did a fantastic job of painting our bathroom. Happy listening for now, and as always, I'm looking forward to your feedback by mail at heliumtalk at heliumcover.com or any of the other channels where you can reach out to us. When you travel from exhibition to exhibition or to places where you work, do you always take the van? In Europe, at least? In Europe, we try to, although I just went to have the van looked at for uh, yeah. to get the new Ape car license. Mm -hmm. And the undercarriage needs some welds. Okay. So we got to probably limp her home, and then uh, that's the last trip for her until we get okay. that carriage fixed. Yeah, but it's a convenient way to, to, to travel, I think. Yeah. It is, man. We got it nice in there, too. We spent one winter in it, though, before we insulated it. Mm -hmm. And even though we, we toured uh, the whole coast of Spain, which is really fun, uh, doing, doing art on um, old ruins and stuff, mm -hmm. was really cool. We hit a lot of spots and lots of beaches and everything. But it, honestly, the lesson that we learned is that if you want to be warm in winter, you actually have to go south of the equator. You can't just get closer and hope that it's hot. Because it wasn't quite hot. It was freezing cold in the van at night. We had a uh, air mattress at that time, and it just kept breaking. And probably not Ooh. much insulation in the corner. No. <laughs> uh -uh. So it's an old old Ford Transit, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> She's strong. Yeah. You're originally from the United States. From where you come from? From there. I grew up in Alaska. I was born in Oregon. I grew so up in Alaska. Cold is okay with you. People say that, but that's not true. I know. You know, just joking. <laughs> it's just cold. <laughs> it's just cold. Yeah, I know. Everybody expect, expects us because we're from Hamburg up north that we're fine with rain too. Yeah. Well, but it always rains in Hamburg, of course. Yeah, but I still don't like it. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's still wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were born in Alaska, or you? I was born in Oregon. Yeah, I grew okay. up in Alaska. Okay. I went to school in Colorado and right. lived 
in California for a while, so Western states. So your parents had to move a lot, or no? This was uh, my parents stayed in Alaska the whole time. We moved up there when uh, I was three. My father got a job with the Alaska Pipeline, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, we lived up there until I graduated from high school. My sister graduated from high school, and then. Uh, We all left. Now they're back down in the northwest in Washington State. You're living in Amsterdam. Living in Amsterdam now for yeah. many years. Yeah, ten years. Okay. How mm. did you get to come to Europe? Well, there is an amazing thing called the Dutch-American Friendship Treaty, which allows for U.S. entrepreneurs oh. to open their own businesses in the Netherlands. Okay. So that was a way to do it. You know, and my son, and at that time, my wife. We all moved over here, and uh, I'm very proud of the way my son handled the move. You mm-hmm. know, we just dropped him into Dutch school immediately, and he didn't complain or anything. And he was like five then, or six, six, yeah. six years old, and he just jumped right in and learned the language and Still. didn't complain about it. He was great. Yeah, why you're just I honestly. I really like Americans. I like how they are, but I can't do America anymore right now, maybe ever again. It was just like a, it's a disgusting society. I hate it. I don't, I like the people, man. I mm-hmm. really like the people. And I like sort of libertarianism brand Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that type of person, but, uh, Yeah, man, I was in some eight-lane street, and there was a shopping mall on every corner waiting at a light one day to turn into some place that had like a Michael's and an Arby's and a Chipotle and a Starbucks, and I was just like, this, I got to get out of here, mm-hmm. and I did. Yeah. I wore out on it, man. But you were already working as an artist then, right? Oh, definitely. Well, actually, no, primarily I was just owner of the Ondenken Gallery. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we had a uh, a huge space in Denver, mm-hmm. 12,000 square feet, like approximately 4,000 square meters. And I had all these studios in it, mm-hmm. uh, like 19 studios. So although when I originally got into it, I wanted... Uh, You know, all of I wanted to be an artist along with all of my friends, but at the end of it, I was just the manager, man. I was just yeah, the guy trying I, to keep it all going. I know, what you, I know what you're talking about. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Open Helium Cove actually was my. I was looking for a studio to work in, mm-hmm. and that place was it was small, but it's so nice and yeah. so well located. So I started doing exhibitions, and then that took over. And uh, so now I'm basically back to the beginning. You know, having my studio inside. full circle. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that kind of eats up your time. <clears throat> and Andeng was a is a good name, you know. I think uh, it's German name, yeah. No, but also the the gallery has a good name and good reputation. I I knew it, you know, I knew of it uh, before I came. I just didn't know you were running it. <laughs> well, I've been at it for years and years and years, and it's gone through so many incarnations. You yeah. know, it's been in so many places, yeah. and it's cool. So you moved that to Amsterdam with you. Mm-hmm. And our first location in Amsterdam was an antikrok and uh, like a, a building protected by a organization to keep it from getting squatted. Mm-hmm. Which you know, philosophically, I got some, I got some conflicting thoughts about that. But 
they sure made it possible for us to do something cool at a good price, mm. you know. And we had a really dope building and uh, stayed, got to stay in it a lot longer than we originally thought. So you're combining your art and, I mean, splitting up your time between your own art and the gallery still, or? Yeah, I know you know this from doing it, but people think it's the same job, but they're totally different jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, one keeps you away from the other. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Or from doing the other, yeah, I know. Yeah, but I think it's, personally, I... I like galleries where people are involved that actually understand the whole cycle of how these things, how art is produced. I think it's, um, for me, it's always a lot easier to work with artists that have done their own shows and understand how all this goes because mm -hmm. there's a, there's a lot, lot of <clears throat> uh, the dark side of the glamour, you know, like the lot of work that, uh, I like that expression, the yeah. dark side of the coin. Yeah, everybody just sees the bright lights and the, you know, sort of. The, and then we, I don't know if you've done art fairs with Anding, but we, we've done, um, you know, for a couple of years, we've done the whole fair circus with Miami and New York and Basel. And we did a couple of fairs in Germany and, uh, and that's all kind of, you know, it's all fun, mm -hmm. but mostly for the others, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. I mean, spending 10 days in Miami in German winter, that's nice. Heck yeah. But it's, you get up at six o'clock in the morning to see something off the beach and then you're, you know, at the fair at like nine and then you're there until late and then everybody goes to party and you're just like, tomorrow I have to work again. And you're always looking at your inventory, which is still there probably or not, yeah, you know, man. so like it's always this pressure of, uh, it's always a pressure of success. And I think if you, <clears throat> if you understand how this, this business goes, it, I think it makes things easier for you as an artist at some points. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, we've, uh, Andenken has done uh, tons of fairs. Yeah. I'll just try to move this a little bit to the middle. Okay. So, cause, there you go. Uh, sorry. No, we've done tons of fairs and, uh, some of them are really successful, but it's like being in kind of like a high stakes poker game. Yeah. And if you lose a few hands, it makes it really hard to stay in the game. Yeah. So you have a couple of bad fairs and it's like, whoa. Yeah. The reason I got out was, okay, the market wasn't good anymore, but the main reason was that our second child was, you know, on the way. And I said, uh -huh. I don't want to be away too much. I just, I mean, I mean, I, I basically, I created this job for myself. There you go. So I should decide what I, what I do with my time and my money. And I wanted to be home more, you know, if you do the fair, if you do like three fairs a year, then it's like, well, you're away a lot, uh, a lot and you're also, You know, preparing so much the time, prepare to prepare an art fair, especially when you move across, you know, sort of to the States, so an art fair, all the shipping, everything that you're doing, the customs and stuff. It's it's a bear. Yeah. It's it's hard. Yeah. But you should still go to Miami. It's awesome. I've been for a long time. Like, you know, we always have kind of a spot there in Miami. You can always go there. We always have art fairs that really would like to see us coming back. But Andrew from ThinkSpace just started running Scope, he, or at least part of it. Yeah. He emailed you? No, not yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Unless the, which I think is great because yeah. he is going to curate it really well. Yeah. It's just that price tag, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The, the, the thing is that um, Scope is always asking us to, you know, to come back, you know, the fairs. And they also just, just mentioned that they're moving more into our direction, but I don't even know what our direction is. You know, like, is it, I mean, Don't overthink it, man. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I mean, do will they be able to attract now different people, or will they just convince 
these people to buy more. Because in the beginning, when we went to the art fairs, it was like crazy. I, you know, we were basically. I know. I thought it was like, oh, this is it. This is yeah, how you do we're it. Just, we're making money. You know, <laughs> you know, I was taking artists over there and uh, and uh, and flew them over there, and you know, it was it was a good time. But you know, I I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm I'm not convinced that the fairs are something that I still want to do. <clears throat> I, you know, that's, that's, I'm not, I'm not sure. So how long is, uh, are you running uh, on Denken now? Close to 20 years now. Close to 20 years. We've had like seven or eight different locations. And so, but you're not just moving it around to different spaces. You've probably, did you change anything in regards to the concept? You're still just. I mean, the basic concept is that I just find things that I like mm -hmm. and then I show it mm -hmm. if they'll work with me. And we, over the years, we've got to show freaking everyone. Mm hmm It's been really cool, you know? Like we hosted the Manifest Hope show, so the Shepherds people took that over. Mm -hmm. We got to show Fail, which is one of my mm -hmm. favorite street art yeah. things, at a time right before they were became really, really famous. And it was cool to host them at the gallery and to see them, like, hungry for success. Mm -hmm. And I've always admired them because they've used their success to do bigger and cooler things every time. Yeah. Which I think is like, that's the faith the collector places in an artist is that by supporting it, what they get in return is an artist that continues to strive mm -hmm. for greatness. But yeah, we've shown so many cool artists and, you know, ones that never really got a ton of traction, but I really liked the work at the time. So there was a moment in mm -hmm. time where I think we were really able to give them something cool, a great mm -hmm. exhibition and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's the thing that I like when you're, um, you know, and able these artists to do something good, you know, give them a space. The first space that we had, it basically changed every month. Every artist came and more or less rebuilt it and, you know, not just painted on the walls, but they were like, needs control center. He rebuilt parts of the gallery and we changed the, the space, you know, itself so many times and went to other locations to do something, <clears throat> depending on the artist. I think that's very... You know, if you work with the right artists, if you work with cool people, then that can be very rewarding to do. Yeah, um, of course it can. Yeah, yeah it is. But it's, it's addictive. Yeah, but is Amsterdam still a good place now for, for art? Well, I mean, historically, Amsterdam is a wonderful city for art. And there's so many cool museums and things. Mm -hmm. I don't, the, the Dutch are, um, it's not as if they don't buy things. They're just very frugal. They, they're very, uh, they wait mm -hmm. to decide what they want. And it sometimes takes a long time for them to purchase but i don't think that uh r right now the bulk of our gallery sales come from the internet mm -hmm. you know that's just true that's that's been a thing that's changed over the years as the internet has grown in uh maybe like of course everybody's are afraid of cyber criminals but honestly over time we've just come to trust it more mm -hmm. everyone has so you see something online and you're not afraid to buy it there that venue has become really uh pedestrian we're very used to it so yeah 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 everybody gets their data away freely you know sort of and knows <laughs> that yeah but i mean german um germany was uh, was uh, not always that open to to the the online market that has come in the last years too like everybody's yeah, for using sure. paypal now and it's just like a password Oh, just an email that. address and paper and, and a password and then you know all the money goes through there but that has changed uh, as well but i still think that most of our online sales they go in different countries yeah like we're on on artsy and most of our artsy sales we ship that to the united states which has always been a good market for us artsy is a really good platform yeah 
they've courted me so many times. I just don't want to take that monthly fee or do that monthly. Yeah. Fee. Well, let's not go into the artsy discussion because I still want them to sponsor the podcast before I tell everyone how good they are. Oh, okay. I'm making so much advertisement for them already. Oh, they well, have, I mean, they got a good product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's weird. So, I mean, sometimes you're not paying I just, me had, I, just had, I just had a call last week from a gallerist from uh, Dusseldorf uh, and Artsy recommended him to talk to me. Oh, that's cool. So, <laughs> you got your foot in the door, man. <laughs> I don't know. But no, I, I think for me, I mean, the whole online part is I don't, um, I think it's it's very important. It's uh, It's also, in a way, it's time consuming, but it does not, keep me away from having a physical space like a lot of other galleries that don't have a physical space anymore and I think uh, for me you, you can can call me a traditionalist but I like that I have a space that where everything is and where I can store the work and where I can drag out the work and I still think it's important I to, totally agree to, with you yeah. I would feel uh, naked without a place to actually put art on the walls I totally agree man yeah and I honestly the the kitchen element makes it huge, <laughs> man. It's so good. Yeah, but I think it's important that you're able to cook something and you know and do I do everything in a gallery that you you know sort of uh, that you kind of need. But in the beginning, one of the reasons why we uh, when I had the chance to outline this this place, I, I put a kitchen in here because uh, I just uh, in the beginning we did some dinners and it's also nice if you just have artists coming over and you invite some people and the artist cooks so we cook together with the artist. Yeah. Um, and you know what we but what we've we do this more now in summer when the weather's warmer we go and have a barbecue not this time because uh, it was crap we weather. had the vegetarian here and, and doesn't know the weather wasn't good enough <laughs> um, but that's you can cook other stuff on a grill man I know if you're lame <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so let's talk about your own Jeroen Jeroen yeah. yeah man yeah good guy um, He's one of the first people I met in Amsterdam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was really sad that he moved to Copenhagen. <laughs> He's my buddy. But you, um, so, so what was what was there first, your art or or the gallery? Uh, with Jeroen? No, with you. Let's not talk about Jeroen. I had a podcast with him yesterday. Oh, yes, a whole hour of you know, that Jeroen. guy talking. Yeah. Uh, what was first? The first gallery I had was called Lo-Fi. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo-fi, it came into being because I was painting some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I went to the local coffee shop where I hung out all the time. And I said, you know, I can do this as good as what I'm seeing here. So I was like, I went to the lady and I was like, hey, I would uh, like to have an art show. And she told me that they only take masters, graduate level artists for their coffee shop. And I was like, mad. (laughs) I was like, okay, lady, all right, coffee shop lady. (laughs) And I just walked out of there Uh and I walked down the street and I saw a cool place that was for rent. I called the number and I said, I would like to uh, rent to your space. Now, you know, I was I was 20 and I was like, you know, how you are, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And they just said, yeah, okay, cool. We rented the space. I started a collect a co-op. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the group of artists that we had, I will say, you know, with a co-op, you sort of take all comers. Anybody that'll pay the monthly fee is in mm-hmm. the group. So we got a bunch of really bad art. 
But it was a huge lesson for me. We started a nonprofit organization, which was a very big lesson for me about how to uh, how to be involved in the grant writing community, how to be involved in um, uh, you know how to start a charity organization in the United States. It was a was a big uh, big project, mm. and that charity lives on today. Okay. Lo-fi lives on today as um, they do a thing now, which has nothing to do with art, really. But they collect old bicycles, refurbish them, and give them to people who need a bike. Okay. So it's still a cool thing. Oh, that's true. And I'm president emeritus. That's <laughs> cool. Yes. They gave me that title where I gave them the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's... Um you know, how do you come to open a gallery? I think, I mean, we're probably in a similar in a way. We just, we just, you know, got in there because for me, it was also like, I thought, Hey, I've, I've shown galleries before, um, for a few years before I opened, uh, the space, I didn't have anything to do with art. It's just more or less led astray by the jobs that I had. And, you know, <clears throat> you know, founding, you know, you know, having a son and moving to Hamburg and, you know, running business. And, uh, then I figured out that something very, important is missing in my life and that's what I was always doing it was art you know? mm -hmm. and um, when I when I began I wanted to be a, a comic I wanted to draw comics but Germany was a bad country for comics <laughs> so probably no professional comic uh, artist at that time but so um, but I already did that at school but then I got away for so, for so long and then I had my first exhibition here in Hamburg uh, at a really cool place you'd love that place it's called Art Store St. Pauli and that is like a very small, very simple place to show art, and they've been super important for Hamburg. And you know, uh, they've uh, they've uh, been the movement, the art movement, if you can call it that. That they presented was called cheap art. <laughs> so it was about everybody can own a piece of art, and you know, sort of. And it was you know, without all these, you have to be a master student or whatever. Uh, and I showed there, and that was actually my my entree, so to say, into the Hamburg. Uh, art scene and then I found the studio and I said, well, I'm going to do this full time. And then, you know, I, I, I think I can organize quite well and know a few things that other artists don't. So that can, all came together. And then, uh, from, yeah, out of nothing, basically helium cover came a few years later, we were like in Miami and everywhere. And, and that was, uh, it was nice to see and, uh, a good, a good development, but I couldn't plan that if today, sometimes people come and say, okay, uh, you know, how do you start this? I'm thinking about I'm thinking about opening a gallery, and if you already start thinking about opening a gallery, is you know I think you just do it at some point. Yeah, I like the motivation. I like in. just like the motivation for for you. <laughs> yeah, you know? um, it's about yeah. I mean, if you if you do something or want to share something with other people, it's a it's a and also what other people do. It's a great it's a great starting point to do a gallery. But these days you have to do much more than just a space with some art on the walls. So yeah. And and how does it you know so like you're if you've always been working with wood in your art I mean is that like a no and like the sculptural thing or no I used to make these really funny little cartoon paintings okay. and they were just you know like a little quick drawing on panels and uh, yeah I mean people people really loved them and I uh, sold hundreds literally hundreds mm -hmm. of them and. Um, then I just stopped making them. I stopped having an interest in that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And uh, yeah, I think like, uh, what was it? In 2007, I was co-curator for a show called Ultra de la Rue. 
in Amsterdam. Okay. And it was to celebrate uh, the 400 year relationship between Amsterdam and New York. Mm-hmm. So I brought out a bunch of uh, artists from New York or organized a bunch of artists from New York. Um, Rich Jacobs came out. He's a great artist. Mike Perry came out. Jeroen helped with that. Anyway, we had this exhibition and there was, it was in this space that later became the art hotel. Mm-hmm. But there was one area that we needed to block off and there was no way to do it except that there was all this old scrap wood and pallets and weird stuff. And I just made a wall mm-hmm. out of it and people liked it. And I was like, oh, I like it too. <laughs> I just started doing that. just started making stuff out of junk. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like junk, Yeah, but it's just all found wood. Yeah. yeah, and metal, you know, all the metal on those sculptures is just scrap metal out of my friend's dumpster. Okay, and you, what, you melt it and bring it into form, or? No, they, I just, uh, I cut it out with a steel wheel okay. and then weld the little posts mm-hmm. on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's actually an idea that came from a mentor in, in Miami, this woman, Carolina Sardi. She's yeah. a mid-career artist, just an amazing maker. But she makes a similar shape thing that she uses in her wall sculptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you find it harder to to find people to? I mean, it's you know, yeah. Well, those are sculptures that you can put on you know shelf or anywhere. But do you think it's easier to sell a, a drawing or a painting as a gallerist now or than a sculpture? The only real thing is the shipping. You know, mm-hmm. shipping is a bear when you uh, have to ship large wood mm-hmm. anywhere. I know, yeah. <laughs> But it is kind of nice. Like uh, I get commissions and projects where I just go to the place, mm-hmm. find what I need, and make mm-hmm. something. Okay. And generally, the people that are seeking that mm-hmm. are pretty open to the idea. You know, they already like the idea that uh, he doesn't know what he's going to make. He's just going to show up here, walk around the neighborhood, find some stuff, and make something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally speaking, those people are exact, exactly who I'm looking for. Like we just find each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. It's it's uh, sculpture is always um, always something special, and uh, I think it's uh, it adds a completely new level to also to the experience of the people that come around. You know, and if you are an artist that branches out in you know several ways, I've I've just returned this year. It's like the first time in eight years that I'm like my studio is in daylight again. You know? Yeah, and man. so I just started to throw out this series of 21 paintings that I carved into, and that was more you know flat work uh, again. And um, before you know last year I did all this, so I'm still going to do this, but I, my my work is very complex and a lot of layers, and you know it's like a, a construction almost. So you can't find stuff for that. You really have to. Buy the stuff. You have, you, to know, get the right user, stuff. you have to get the right stuff and have to have a studio. But sometimes it's nice if you can just let loose of that. Oh, I definitely have a studio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I work in the studio too. No, no, that's of course. But I mean, it's like, you know, if you, you know, especially with the sculptures, I always have to think how can they actually work hanging on a wall. So also there's a technical aspect of that and stuff. But I really like that. And it's totally different the perception. Like Jonathan Levine, for example, he likes my sculptures more than he likes my flat work. My my gallerist in Denmark, uh, he wants me to send him more flat, flat work. work. Yeah, flat different work, strokes you know? for so, different folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah but I mean, is um, 
we've talked about that, you know, a lot of online uh, markets uh, is, is going more and more into the online direction. But do you see any other major changes? Because I think that that also the whole Gary thing has changed over the last years uh, in a way that um, there's... Uh, There's a smaller market for more galleries, I have the feeling, at some point. I think in 2008, 2009, a lot of galleries closed, and so now there's more and more galleries coming up. Mm, I think, well, okay, so I did a, a bunch of projects last year with an art consultant agency, mm -hmm. and I think that that, okay, a lot of things are changing. First of all, more and more corporate, corporate clients They want murals and stuff in their offices mm -hmm. because it's become a huge part of contemporary art. Mm -hmm. So rather than the gallerist being able to sell a couple of paintings to a corporate client, what you're finding is the corporations approach the artists either directly or mm -hmm. through an art consultant agency to do a big installation project. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that's really shaking up the model. The mm -hmm. model is changing because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do still think, I mean, secondary art market continues to grow, especially for blue chip artists, yeah. artists that sell at a sure. really high price point. It continues to be a way for, you know, the plutocrats to move money around in a way that uh, is, you know, subverts the tax department and <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, people will always want something cool for their house. You know, lots of things are changing. But I would say for us, the huge eye-opening experiences that has been uh, that our consultant agencies are negotiating cool projects with big clients for real money rather than just trying to roller skate your way into a one sale of one painting to one guy. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting aspect. But <clears throat> I don't know. I think uh, that... Um Like in a couple of years ago, people were just coming to openings and they were aware of the fact that buying art is so much fun. And it is that, fun. But it has kind of changed. Now I feel sometimes I have to explain people again what, you know, I have to find new people to buy art. Um, I think it's, here in Germany, a lot of people have been, uh, have been more, you know, sort of uh, reserved towards buying art. They still like to go to the openings and stuff like that. But because there's such a visual overkill as well also through I agree you know, with that you like you you know and so sometimes we have to bring people you know have to have remind people that a gallery and artists only exist as long as you buy artwork um, yeah that's the thing that has you know some people have the feeling I've forgotten about that <laughs> yeah I mean that's you know when I'm wearing that hat when I'm wearing the gallerist hat it's not like I'm telling some I'm not just pitching at people But I really believe one of the things you're buying when you buy artwork from an artist that you like mm -hmm. is their ability to continue to make art. Mm -hmm. So you're supporting the vision. And in return, you get something for yourself. But, I mean, every single collector is a patron. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. They're helping the artist achieve more art. And if you find an artist and you support their vision the best way you can support it is not by liking their stuff on Instagram, yeah. but is by actually contributing to their ability to yeah. keep going. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is to buy their work. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, I think that I've, you know, I start telling this story more than I was, had to do that in 2006 and 2008. That was more, it was more normal for people just to come and buy. I mean, less financial conditions, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but also the the I mean, we have so many. I mean, this I don't know how it is in Amsterdam or the United States, but if, if, as, I've seen this here in the last years that um, exhibition openings uh, are events. People come to party and to celebrate, uh, but not necessarily the art on the walls. Um, and what, what I've been doing here, also that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast. I want people to listen more and to take more time and you know, not just like stuff on Instagram, but also see what's behind that, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, and try to find out. And, uh, and even though I, we don't attract the 200, 300 people that we've attracted in the beginning in our first space, um, I have people here who, are, who really want to be here and who are really interested in the yeah, art. I saw and, that last yeah. night, for sure. And um, I mean, the first group of, people that came in here, uh, they are actually really good art buyers. They just came from the football game and so... Depressed over your club. Depressed and the alcohol levels were too high to buy art. You know, but they'll be back. <laughs> Nobody, you know, so like it's... It's the it's always the continuation to try to find people uh, who who are interested in art to 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 create an awareness for individual artists. You know? mm -hmm. and, and you know yourself, you can't show everyone. Um, and, and we have to make a decision on who we're going to show and who we're going to support in that way from the gallery side. And, um, um, I find it, I find it hard, uh, in the beginning, I found it really hard to, to say no, um, to people. And I think over the years I've learned to be really, you know, on point when I, when I see something and I want to show And but there's a lot of, you know, like, you know, we just met. Thursday, I think you're a really, really nice guy, and I think I'd like to work with you. Well, let me curate a show here. Yeah. But, you know, so this is the, what I mean. You know, I can't just say, oh, we're going to have a show <laughs> next year because we don't we don't know. Full. But it's actually a good point because that's what I've been doing. You know, I've, uh, I've invited people that I really like to curate, you know, to... You know, to bring stuff over, um, to to not be in the position, just me, to find figure out who I'm going to show, but also have, you know, other people. Fresh eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fresh eyeballs. And, you know, I let Jeroen hang here, all the works, and Melvin was just like, how? How is he hanging? You know, <laughs> sort of. And uh, Melvin, for example, doesn't like that the works by Morky are that high and that the text is on that level. But once the show is done, It starts to make sense. Yeah, I and, think he did a great job. Yeah. He always does a good job. Yeah, and you have to have to learn to step back and you know let the others let let them do their thing. Yeah. yeah. No, he did a wonderful job out in here, man. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's a plan for next year. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And um, and then but you probably won't live in Amsterdam. You're in, in Portugal. And have, I'm trying to get to yeah. Portugal, <laughs> but I'll still live in Amsterdam most yeah. likely because my son's still oh, yeah, in school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so if, if Andenken is has basically you know sort of had eight locations that you've been, I would have to really count it out. Yeah. But it's been a bunch. But was One, it two, was it three. difficult to move? I mean, if you have your if you're in Denver and you have like, the locals there, and then you just move to Amsterdam, and then that was the trick. That was the biggest move, of course, because we were a main part, a pillar in mm -hmm. in Denver. Yeah. But um yeah, that was a huge move for us. You know, and it was I I don't like when we were leaving, we had a gigantic bonfire out in front of the gallery. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there I mean there there's a really cool Burning Man community in Denver. Okay. So those guys would come to all of the events and stuff and 
I had this great Burning Man buddy, this guy, Todd Oliver, and he would bring three or four big fire barrels, and we would have fires out in front of the gallery. And uh, when we were leaving, we had a giant fire with tons of, we just burned everything that, you know, not artwork, but no, no. documents and just all mm -hmm. stuff that, if I wasn't leaving, I wouldn't have burned, but man, did we burn up a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it was fun. That's a good way to go. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I and I think there was like, nobody really knew that. Uh, I think people expected us to come back and soon, you know, like, oh, have fun in Amsterdam. Yeah. I was like, you don't get it, man. I'm out. I'm out, out. So you're not never going back? I, I don't know. If I, if I don't, if I'm not forced to, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm here at the good grace of the Dutch consulate or, mm -hmm. you know, if they don't continue to approve my uh, residency permits, I got to go back. Mm -hmm. But I'll be sad if that happens. I enjoy this part of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, I think for art, for us in the United States are still very, very important. Oh yeah, as, and the buying community there yeah. is huge. Yeah, that's uh, as I said. You know, we're selling a lot of stuff in the United States, and we did even more when we did the whole first circus and stuff like that. I think sometimes in those years, uh, my clients were like sixty, seventy percent from the states. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. Yeah, um, but you know, it's a lot of people are afraid of shipping stuff, and I'm not afraid. I've never been afraid of shipping stuff. We can always build a crate and find a way to send even weird sculptures. Yeah, man, I, that's true. My it's, FedEx guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, not for this show. We unfortunately have uh, have an artist who didn't manage to get his work over here because it's kidnapped by customs or something. I know. Yeah, we get that in the... I, I, I rarely these days let any of the artists mm -hmm. ship their own work. I mm -hmm. usually send them the FedEx airway mm -hmm. bill because... FedEx has its own clearinghouse, I think, mm -hmm. and I just know how to do it so that the work isn't going to get caught in customs. Yeah, because that just—that's not, not. It's hard on the artist's nerves, and it's hard on my nerves. Yeah, we brief the artists. They usually get an email from us with all the details and how they should do it, and what's in the invoice, and how the invoice should be made out, and where it's placed on the box <laughs> and stuff like that. And some of the artists say, "Oh, are you kidding me? I'm doing this all the time." And those are usually in America. The artists that use FedEx and not USPS. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I hear, "Oh fuck, he's used USPS. He didn't get the memo." Um, yeah, USPS, yeah. man. Yeah. It's like three weeks, four weeks, yeah, six yeah. weeks. Yeah, but yeah, but I think that's uh, that's uh, not an issue. Um, but um, it's one 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 thing that I think you know, especially in, in in your case, how important how important it is because I think art has gone because it's so big and so you know market is so oversaturated and everyone basically that can draw a little bit is getting a wall and is painting somewhere and stuff like that. I sometimes have the feeling that art and politics are not necessarily a big issue unless somebody curates a show against something or for something. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see that in, in your art or the artists that you're showing? Is, uh, is politics still an issue? Uh, you know, I think for a lot of Spanish street artists, I definitely see a thread of political activism mm -hmm. in their work. I show an artist, Vin's Feel Free, and his work is very political. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've always thought um, Esquif's work is really political and Hero also political. Mm -hmm. So definitely there is uh, some artists still making really politically important work. 
Um, and then there's also work that's made like uh, the favela project guys. Mm -hmm. Those guys are making work that is politically important because it's, uh, it's going, it's aiding people with art. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a way to say something loud without being heavy handed about it. You know, mm -hmm. they get, they do a really good politically active thing. So that's a different way to be politically active rather than just beating somebody over the head with like, don't be a, don't support Trump type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that, uh, yeah, I don't know, sadly, lots of artists beat up on Trump visually, mm -hmm. but it's such an easy target, man. Mm -hmm. And honestly, even the negative propaganda just gives that dude more fuel. Yeah, it, for me, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm I, I'm a very politically engaged person, and uh, I've, I have yet not found that the internet for me is the right place to do mm. that. Uh, so I very rarely use Facebook, Instagram for my political Thank opinion. Goodness. I mean, because um, you know, one of the reasons why I have a bar and why I live in a city <laughs> with people is that I can talk about it and uh, try to do something about it. Um, try to raise my kids in the, in the right way. I think that's very important. You know, that, you know, my, I think my seven year old knows that where my, where my heart is in regards to politics and these things. So I think that's, that's much better than, you know, trying to have a long comment. Yeah, of course. Part on Facebook. Nice um, kid, by the way, both your kids are cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they probably hate me doing a podcast on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I get up early, so I'm. Don't flatter yourself, man. They're just glad you're gone. Yeah, like, oh, whew, let's play some. Oh, Melvin will still be asleep. <laughs> uh, he'll be asleep until I come home. But little one likes to get up and play, you know, in the morning. And I also make fantastic pancakes and stuff. You, know? you do? Yeah. What the hell, man? Where's yeah. my pancakes? I'm not cooking here. <laughs> it's just a kitchen for artists. No, <laughs> no. I think it's um, yeah. Probably it's, if I also. I mean, I don't know. It's um, the reason why I'm why I'm why I'm asking this question. Why I'm interested and curious to to hear the opinion of other artists and people who you know sort of do shows and stuff is that the the the, the last time I was invited to do a political show was actually a show about Trump and there are like 60 artists from all over the world, you know, making caricatures yeah, yeah. I, I, me i did the same you know but mm -hmm. i i was so mad and angry while i was doing it i, I was close to canceling the show because it was the hardest thing i've ever had to do you know and that process in the end um i wrote about it you know and on my website you find my anger Ra you know? ranted out yeah. yeah and why i did this and the first one you can still see i actually one of these one of these i don't know how you call them you know where i carved the wood out you broke <clears> i rammed that through that through the wood because I was so mad at that point and I was mad at me of doing it this way instead of, you know, just, but I agreed to do the show and, um, I didn't want to do it, you know, in mm -hmm. a way. And then I made this, I made this work that was actually quite subtle after all, but I've, it's, I don't like the work. I'm glad I sold it, you know, but it was like very hard <laughs> to do, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I never thought anybody would buy it. You could buy, would you buy that? You know, probably but, uh, a supporter man but then again i also found out that for example my parents they really liked the work and they actually showed that to other people on you know on the on the, uh, with the photo mm -hmm. and stuff like that and they could relate to that and they you know it's probably i you know 
we're probably as artists sometimes overthinking these things. And so in the end, it was, it was a very simple, easy way um, to approach that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it finds people that actually can work with that. You know, I couldn't work with it. I'm glad it's gone. I still have this other one that was here, you know. That was one of the first versions that I did that was standing here. You remember that one? Yeah. The Resist one, it's terrible. I hate that piece, but Melvin loves it. That's yeah. why he's always dragging it out. It's not even signed, <laughs> you know, it's no price tag on that, but Melvin always drags it, this out. And um, yeah, I know it's. Um, well, there's no accounting for taste, man. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, anyway, let's not, you know, let's not get into that discussion. You know? Let's talk about cowboy hats. <laughs> oh, you have a nice cowboy hat in here. Yeah, I know. And I've been playing that guitar. I don't know uh, if I'm allowed to, but I of have course. been anyway. Yeah. No, that's here. I've often not been asked whether that's decoration, but, you know, no, it's there to be played. I play it as well. And, you know, you can't break it. It's been traveling with me for a while and it still looks almost new. Yeah, it's cool, man. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. I, the, 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 I think, it, you know, sort of like I, we have a guitar here. I've been making music my whole life. Not, not really good, but, I, you know, around the campfire it works. And, um, but I have this artist, uh, Joe Fisher, the photographer. He is, before he became a photographer, he, uh, he was a rock and roll musician. He was uh, touring with a band for 16 years and cool. he's got this incredible voice, you know, and he's really good. On TV, <laughs> you know? And when I did shows with him, he at one point brought around his old guitar and then he, you know, plays and every, I mean, if he just opens his mouth, it's just like a voice. You know? it's like yeah. Elvis comes, you know, to town and really amazing. And so I thought we need a guitar here. Because there's so many artists who like to play and, and actually can play. And not for openings. It's not about the show. It's more like when we're here and we're just, you know, and you're just traveling and you come to a place and you sit here and have coffee and you want to. I mean, for me, it's important to sometimes just play a guitar. Yeah. You know, the, the thing, thank, thank goodness yeah. I know how to play some instruments. Yeah. And I always do feel like a space is much warmer and much homier mm -hmm. if there's a piano or a, mm -hmm. or a guitar. I like instruments in spaces, just like a kitchen. They warm it up. Yeah. So did you, did you make music? Have you been in a band when you were younger? Yeah, I was in a lot of bands, but the most famous band I was in was a band called One Lump Sum. One Lump Sum? Of course, you know, like we, we toured all over the place and like, uh, And my, my parents didn't really, you know, they didn't understand it. They didn't believe in it. But then we had a record get to number four in Rolling Stone. Really? And then my parents were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so I don't, we had fun. I never liked tour, mm -hmm. you know. A lot of people love that part of the life. Mm -hmm. I like being on tour as an artist a lot more. But, man, riding around in that bus with, like, we would sometimes be on tour with two or three bands in one bus. I remember one time we were going up a hill and going around a corner, and beer and porno mags were, like, floating across the bottom of the bus. And I was like, God, dude, I just can't wait to get home. So disgusting. Yeah. And you're, you're not making, you're not in a band anymore? I'm not in a band, but of course I still make music mm. and things. Yeah. Can't get it out of you, right? Oh, why should you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not, it's not that it's something you 
It's not like a sickness. I mean, maybe the porn makes and the beer that's a part. At, at some point you think, wow. Well, I mean, I like beer and I like porn, <laughs> yeah, but I just sure. don't like them on the bottom of the bus <laughs> after I've with, been on it for a month. With a bunch of other dudes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, but that's interesting. I mean, you know, sort of like if you, I mean, I, I was, um, I was very briefly in a band, but um, I was uh, working with the band for some time and uh, and been with them on tour and managing them and stuff like that. And that was, yeah, that was uh, good fun, work. but just for some work. time, you know. So I just come from club to club and uh, I had to also deal with the business side always. I had to fight with these guys running the clubs and getting paid and, yeah, you know. And yeah, now getting the backstage food and stuff like that. Oh no, you're not the main band. We played uh, support for really good bands like uh, Yola Tango and stuff. Oh, I love Yola yeah. Tango. Oh, good guys. Super cool. They, band. In Berlin, they let us. Um, in Berlin, in the Lowe, there was an independent music place there in Berlin, which is quite mm -hmm. well known. Pre, you know, the wall came down Germany, um, and there was like this this backstage room that was just really nice the main band and then you went through a door and it was like this it was more like the triangle space triangle space for right? the second third for, band yeah for oh the, for man the support. that's mean yeah that was super mean and we had like these two crates of beer and um because uh the kaplans you know from the tango they're like the german überraschungs i had the, the mm. eggs they couldn't get them in the states at that time they're like the bowl <laughs> with all these eggs and they were just like inviting us out to open them with them and play with the toys you know? the kinder but, eggs yeah kinder, yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, pretty good and But in that backstage room, there were the walls were all painted, and there were like really artists that um, that became famous afterwards, or were already famous when we were in that room, and that moved out of that small space into the front space mm -hmm. over their career. So <laughs> it's kind of it's you know, yeah. But sometimes as a support band, you're in the back. Yeah, you're kind of uh, treated that nicely. You know. That's a good thing about art. I don't. I mean, it's of course, if you have an exhibition, you know, like a group show, you probably have a headliner, but not really because everybody is just on the same level. I mean, we don't, you know, like on, on concerts, big festivals, you have like, there's a big name and then the names get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the tiny writing is then probably the only band why you're going to that festival. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, and we don't, yeah, I don't, we don't do that. So you've shown also Shepard Ferry and all these um, guys before they were big, just, Uh, no, I mean, by the time we did Manifest Hope, that was yeah. the uh, for the Democratic National Convention in Denver in 2008. Okay. So all of those artists were involved with that, mostly because Shepard had designed that Hope mm -hmm. print poster. And uh, so, no, not, not before he was famous. But I was aware of him because, obviously, by that time. But um, – I first became aware of him in the 90s because of touring in a band because those um, five, seven foot two, 540 pound Andre the Giant has a mm -hmm. posse stickers were everywhere. Yeah. And it was, uh, I've seen his manifesto about it, but it really was a, um, a lesson in phenomenology, like this idea that uh, you didn't know what it meant, but you saw it everywhere. And somehow it was unifying. Mm -hmm. Somehow you knew you were in the right spot if those stickers were around. Mm -hmm. It was sort of the one of the first stickers I was ever really aware of. And now that culture is so rampant. Everybody's got a sticker and they're always on everything. But at that time, I thought it was a really, really cool experiment. Yeah. 
And in the beginning of the uh, 2000, when we opened the gallery, we had stickers for every exhibition. I mean, basically, every artist that came that could make a sticker, Fun, finance man. the stickers for them. Uh, the only thing that had to be on there somewhere was heliumcowboy.com, but in any way they wanted. So uh, there was this this artist, um, artist from Australia, Rinsen, and they made Helium, they just basically wrote heliumcowboy.com on the whole sticker, but in a way you couldn't read it. It just looked beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I've, we stopped that when you know there was no space for stickers anymore. Yeah, you know, you just walk around St. Pauli now. You've seen that. You know, stickers are everywhere, and they're so easy. And you, it's hard to understand to 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 uh, to, um, to make a distinction or uh, to see the difference between a commercial sticker and. Uh, uh, a sticker that just people made, you know, sort of. Uh, I really like the stickers that Mandy has here. The little yeah, yeah. ghost on. Oh yeah, yeah. yesterday my friend Elma, he took like probably half the stack. Half the really, stack. Yeah, That's cool. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's also a really, um, really good artist. Interesting artist as well. I think she's she, wonderful. Artist. Yeah, she's one of my favorite painters in the yeah. world. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I came across her work just for people listening. It's uh, we're talking about your Holland's uh, uh, girlfriend. Mando Marie. Manda Marie. Um, what's her um, Instagram? See you through it. See you through it. And I, I don't know why I, I just came across her once on Instagram and following her since. Yeah. And it's like a nice, you know, sort of nice surprise when you're doing shows, you know, and then you're just turning up with another artist that you kind of, you know, really like, you know, and um, yeah, yeah. Well, the art world is. We painted the van together. Yeah. The old Ford Transit. Yeah, the only other person that I know that basically uh, artist that I know that drives around a van and lives in a van is Boris Hopek. I don't live in the van. No, no, but he also stays in the van when he goes on tour. <laughs> I know you don't, you know, of course, you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, although Boris sometimes lives in this van, but he's a surfer, you know, so. And when we spend like six weeks in the van, I suppose you can say that we're living in the van. Yeah, but now you're just going back to Amsterdam mm-hmm. and going to live in. A real flat. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, unless they've yeah. seized all my possessions while I was gone. <laughs> so what are, your, what are your next plans? I mean, with, um, with you as an artist. I mean, now, now you're finishing a mural. Well, it's not a mural. at work. A wall inside uh, Überquell. Yeah. Up here. And um, so you're leaving something in Hamburg, which I really like. I, I do too. I hope it lasts uh, for a while with them. I wish they would have let me do the whole dang thing, the whole wall, but... Whatever. Yeah, it was always very short notice. I, I think if you know that we was fair. planned that out earlier, we may have been able to do that. But it would have taken a lot longer time too, but yeah, and more drill bits, and more drill bits. <laughs> yeah, that wall, <laughs> concrete walls. <laughs> yeah. So you have any shows coming up that are you know sort of important shows? Yeah. Not really at the moment. I uh, I've got a bunch of projects with that. Um, Consultant agency in Denver, I told you about. I'm doing a big hotel project with them, two big hotel projects with them. So I think those are the big things that I got lined up for um, the immediate future. And then there's a there's a huge thing that I can't talk about mm-hmm. that may or may not come true, but it looks like it's going to happen. And but do you find it hard to get you know? So I mean, people know you and and and, and like Andenken probably, but do you find it hard harder to get? exhibitions for you as an artist or are you being approached more as the undenken guy or the artist um well okay so in let me think about that oh big question <laughs> I, I curate some traveling group shows or at least one direction instruction mm-hmm. 
And I approach that people, that's like a one foot in each boat. People know I'm the on Duncan guy. They know that I have work in that show. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a crossover. Mm -hmm. But most of the time when people ask me to do a project, they're asking the artist. And like more than half the time, they don't even know that I'm the on Duncan guy. They don't know that. Yeah. So there's, I, I like that because it means that they're just choosing the work for the merit of the work mm -hmm. alone and not really because they know I'm from something else. Uh, but I also don't mind. I've had friends in the in this thing for so long that they've known me originally as the Ondenkin guy, but maybe they've come to respect the work that I make also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And many of my artistic peers, that I've got their respect too as a maker. And so, I don't know, you, I have to, I can't rely on one. I never use the one thing as a crutch. I never no. go out and be like, hey, I'm non dinga guy. Can I have a show? I think it's, it's <laughs> I, I think sometimes for me, I mean, I don't, I know sometimes I have the feeling that that's actually uh, not even a crutch that sometimes stopping people from oh, yeah, you know, showing my work, you know, oh, he's running a gallery, you know, so. But I mean, it's it's not a concept that's new. It's no. always been galleries that have been run by artists. Um, like my favorite galleries too, like Stolen Space is yeah. run by well, run by Deface, mm. but not. I mean, he's got a big crew of people. And um, Rich Jacobs, the artist I mentioned earlier, he's been curating those Move exhibitions for over twenty years. And um, you know, who, what's another good example? Well, you. But there's a lot of them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Sometimes um, I think it's also one of the things you said this early. This word, I really liked it. Not to overthink it mm. because it kind of works, you know. I mean, you, with me, it's probably the same with you. But with me, you only get the whole package. Of course, I can just curate the show, and I don't have to be in it all the time, and I don't want to be in it, and I can't come up with work as well for all these shows. Um, but I. Um, I like to separate it, of course, you know, like doing, I like to show with other galleries, but sometimes I have the feeling that other galleries don't really, they like me, we can, you know, I have a good agreement, but they, you know, so, ah, you know, let's do something together. I can curate a show there, <laughs> but uh, they're not inviting me for my work, but then um, I, uh, yeah, like, I like, I work with Jonathan Levine, you know, we're good friends and uh, he's just, uh, he's a cool guy. Yeah. He's uh, known for many years. Uh, it's the first time in our friendship that he's shown a work of mine last year in a big group show when he reopened his space. Mono Contemporary, Eric, is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, in, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, and it was just like the point in time where my work finally for him got so interesting that he said it's also fair to have you ship this big crate of work over here because now i know how i can place it in the market yeah so but he's just just moving a few of my works now <clears throat> and i think it's nice it's always nice to get this different angle but when when he said wait can you send me some images and stuff he gets the pdf with all the details with everything involved you know mm -hmm. so like he says well you're making this so easy for me and that's the thing of course that we can bring to the table when we're working with other galleries we know exactly what they need Exactly. You know? That's true. <laughs> that part is true. And our shipments come, you know, will arrive on time and stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but it's nothing I, you know, nothing to complain about. I really like that, I, that I'm able to do both, um, both parts of it. And sometimes, you know, I, uh, I'm the only time I'm frustrated in this role is when the non-artistic part takes up too much time. Yeah, and, no, I, I, yep. Me too. I think that's true for every artist, though. Um, Administration. Yeah. Yeah, but 
but hell, I mean, basically at the end of the day, it's the job that we've it's pretty created. Cool job, you know? Yeah, it's pretty cool, cool job. Yeah. So did we leave anything else? And we go, well, of course, we left a lot of things out, but is there anything else you want to? It's the second English podcast. I'm really excited that we're doing this in English now. I think I know, English I wanted to is a little bit slow down. because, uh, you know, yesterday was super late, but I think it kind of works out. I wanted to uh, listen to podcasts that you'd made formally, but I was like, okay, yeah, I don't get these. These are in German. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, that's, that's the idea. You know, if I speak to German people, I speak in German because it's easier um, for everyone. And so this is not exclusive to Hamburg or exclusive to Germany. It's just like the same thing that I do with my art and with the space. I do what Reach I think now. is fine and that I wear can, you know, sort of, I want to, I want people to listen to this. So whatever is the best way then we do that you know i know it's always confusing at the beginning of helium cowboy we did the website in two languages english and german it just gets so much work at some point so we're just doing everything in english now <laughs> well and also google translate can fix pretty much anything yeah these days you. yeah that's true probably not a podcast that's kind of weird um but oh probably interesting too uh, at some point all right yeah highland i'm um I'm glad we found this moment together. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks. I thank you for doing this with yeah. me. And you guys have been great. Really thanks, hospitable. Yeah. yeah. So you go back to finish the wall today. Yeah. And then you go back to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. All might... in one day? or are you No, I think, well, I mean, if we leave here tonight, it'll be late at night after I get, you, your shower is amazing. <laughs> thanks. It really is like one of the best shower heads. Yeah, a lot of water pressure. I'm pretty <laughs> into it. <laughs> okay. Take an extra long showers. Yeah, well, we're, well, welcome to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then, um, yeah, thanks for talking to us here. To cool, me. man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that show next year. Perfect. Yeah. All right.